Warning. You're about to hear unfiltered insights about regenerative agriculture and our sovereign right to natural food. This is not just a podcast, but a patriotic movement against the tide of food ignorance and corporate food giants shaping our modern food system. It's time to feed the people. AJ, what's going on, brother? What's up, Brooks? Good to be back with you, my man. Yeah, real good. Awesome. Where are you checking in from today, dude? I am in St. George, Utah, actually, bro. I'm uh, currently recording from the basement of my childhood home. My dad built this house. We lived in a, you know, as a kid going to middle school, the bus would drop us off at the end of a long dirt road. And at the top was the shittiest mobile home you ever saw. And we would walk up that road to the house. And uh, while that's happening, my dad's working his butt off all day long, gets off work and comes and puts time in, in this house that I'm sitting in and builds it. So this wall right behind me, actually there's signatures and all kinds of writings from all the kids I grew up with throughout elementary and middle school. And in fact, when they built this house, the basement was unfinished. And so the first Christmas here, we got rollerblades, we got hockey sticks, we got all the gear to play hockey, and this was a downstairs hockey rink in the house. It was so fun. How many kids are we talking? Uh, I'm the oldest of five boys, but at the time, there was three boys and then all the neighborhood kids. It was it was awesome. Just clanging and banging in the, in the basement? Dude, nothing to break, bro. It was, it was perfect. <laughs> it sounds like your dad knew what he was doing uh, to set yes. you up with a room that you couldn't break stuff. Yep. Yep, yeah, exactly. man, I can, I can totally relate. I am in uh, what would be considered our family home. Our family had this, uh, I guess, uh, developed about 60 years ago. Okay. Um, this was like the, the first house that my mom grew up in. And so, yeah, there's a lot of family history here. And I just, I personally love that because I love being able to tell the story of our family through things just like that. I can point over Mm. here and say, this is where Billy Joel's band ate Thanksgiving dinner with our family. And that's where Danny DeVito bought a piece of art for my grandfather. Like these, I I don't know. I just love uh, that personally. It's just such a rich way to, yeah, give people history. So that's a very endearing story. I'm super excited to be on episode two, I know we have a lot to talk about, but yes. we first need to think about what we're going to think about. Think about what you'd think about. Okay. So in the words of our <laughs> dear leader, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Joe Biden, we're going to think about what we're going to think about today. And I know that you've That's been right. thinking about a lot and you yes. mentioned you dropped a reel earlier uh, this week on Instagram that I thought would be a great place to start. And that is the pivot of Beyond Meat. I want you to go in, my man. This is your runway to give us a bit of a rant. What in the hell is going on with Beyond Meat and what are they doing? Yeah, you know, throughout the week, I see articles that come up that I want to share with the people that are following on Instagram. Instagram is my education channel, right? It It can be frustrating because, you know, if you start talking about fake meat and bug burgers, all of a sudden, it's very clear that I get throttled in my reach and so forth, but I still want to make sure I'm getting that out there. So I'm kind of like bucking the system. Well, I'm not bucking the system. I get silenced, but I can't not share. I mean, I have other channels like 
Twitter and stuff that I want to build for that purpose. But um, until I figure out those mediums, because there's so much to do. Anyway, I'll find stuff as I'm doing my research throughout the week and I'll share it. And there's so much more that needs to be said, like this Beyond Meat pivot, this whole idea of going from, you know, they, they tried to sell the bullshit that they were sustainable and they were healthy. That was how they positioned themselves when they first came out of the market. I think it's kind of a good sign that we are realizing and seeing through market share that maybe the silent majority really is the silent majority. In other words, they're not idiots. And and so they hear that and they're like, bullshit. There is no way that something grown in the lab with all kinds of ingredients is better for me than the actual thing from nature that humans have been eating for thousands of years. And so, and, yeah. No, I've just here. I'll just, cause we're playing around. I, I just wanted people to know that I brought some sound effects. Just, we're going to, we're going to live it. Okay. To, to believe that. You have to be imbalanced in the mind, in the psyche to believe that that's true. <laughs> imbalanced. Yes, <laughs> precisely. And who people, in the world who yeah. in the world is out there thinking that that's going to be that it's going to be more delicious and nutritious? The only people it could possibly be, which would probably reflect if you took an overlay of their market share and the an overlay of vegan or I would let me just say this extremist vegan or vegetarian uh, population. I'll bet you the we should do that just for fun. I wouldn't be surprised if the estimated percentage of American population that are vegan or vegetarian that think eating cows are bad is equal to the percentage of market share that Beyond Meat and Impossible Burger have. I bet there's a fun correlation there. <laughs> we, it's, a, we, it's a mental illness. It, it, <laughs> that's what it really is. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you got your soundboard working again. Uh, it, it really is. It's, I mean, let's just think about what we're thinking about and, uh, and kind of dive in. But I mean, so here's the deal. That didn't work. Because enough of us are still out there that know that it's BS. And so they have to pivot. Well, guess what they're pivoting to, Brooks? If you uh, saw here's this, my guess. Here's yes. my guess. Boom, bug burgers. Did you guessed it right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Beyond oh, meat. Switching to bug burgers. Switching to bug burgers. Beyond meat specifically are pivoting to comfort wellness is what they're calling it for mental health. Now you and I have spent a significant amount of time in the fitness and health space. So we can speak to this uh, from an intelligent perspective, right? The problem with mental health is comfort. It is overindulgence. And so now beyond me to saying, we, because we're essentially an ingredients company, in other words, we can mix together whatever we choose. We're going to make this a comfort food. When you hear comfort food as a professional wellness coach, what does that tell you? What's it's in that? Likely, it's, it's likely not optimal for my health and well-being if it's a comfort food. <laughs> yes. If I'm needing to comfort myself, it's likely to, yeah, it's likely not the best uh, for my overall wellness and well-being. Right. And so... Here's the funny correlation. Beyond Meat is the title. Well, first of all, 
that's wrong. That's false advertising. I think they should, I think there should be, and maybe we talked about on this last episode and I might repeat myself because it needs to be said over and over again. Sometimes meat should not ever be allowed on a label that isn't actually meat. That that should be the first red flag right there. Dude. That you're having to call it something that it's not in order to convince people that it is like the thing that you're calling it. Like, if you're calling it, uh, if you have, like, vegan chicken, you know, why would you even need to call it chicken if it's better? Right. It's like, if, if you're having to convince yourself and others that it's like the thing that you're trying to replace, that is, to me, a first sign that you're getting off the right track and that it's probably more natural to want chicken or to want actual meat if you're uh, if you're having to do to go through all these different hula hoops to try to make it like this other thing, knowing mm-hmm. that it can never actually be that thing. Right. And, and then additionally to that, talk about mislabeling and mis, misguiding people that aren't maybe that connected to their source of food. You know, they did a study during COVID or just after of youth inside of major cities like New York, and they didn't know where meat came from. So now you add a label that says beyond meat, they're probably going to not really know the extent of what that means. And so to the fact that they can even label that meat or anything close to that is it's mislabeling. It's mis it's misguiding. And so you have beyond meat as their title, as their label. And now you have comfort wellness. Again, those are counter, those are counter to themselves, right? Beyond meat, not meat, comfort, wellness, not wellness. And like most, it's like most bills that they pass in the United States. (laughs) They they name they name it something like net neutrality. Right. Meanwhile, there's nothing neutral about this whatsoever. I'm actually giving you permission to spy on me you yeah. know, and to curb <laughs> yes. where I get to look on the internet. Yeah, net neutrality. Exactly. The, the Patriot Act. Talk about one of the most unpatriotic <laughs> things that has ever existed, but you call it the Patriot Act. Man, yeah, you're going to get like uh, y- yesterday you and I were talking about language a little bit. Uh-huh. And yep. one of the tools of you could call it indoctrination but just Mm -hmm. influence in general is language and if you want to subliminally implant an idea into someone's mind you would do it with words and symbols and that is a very uh useful tactic to call something that it's not in order to convince the most people who won't look into it, oh, they they must be, this must be for patriots. This must be to keep the the net free and neutral. But typically it's it's quite the opposite. So if you want to know what's in a bill, just translate it to the opposite of what they called it. And that's very likely to be the outcome. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the uh, typical case of reading the headline and not the substance in it. And, so my suggestion is if you don't want to read a whole bill, copy and paste it into chat GPT and say, summarize this at 10th grade level. <laughs> and then you'll, you'll be able to see what's in a 2000 page bill and know if it's actually legitimate or not. There's a little, there's a little chat GPT hack for, for anybody that's diving Dude, into that. That is actually a very valuable tip <laughs> yeah. for so many things, uh, especially when they're dropping in, you know, three 3,500 page bills and say, Oh, we got to pass this to see what's in it. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you got to dig in a little bit deeper because that's what's happening, man. And so with this whole, 
beyond meat thing, it's it's beyond me that they could even get away with this crap. I, I was working and consulting with a group uh, called High Country Jerky. They're based out of Lincoln, Montana. They've been around forever. So a good buddy of mine owns that company. The USDA put a hold on about a half a million dollars worth of product that he could not sell because on the package, it said made from premium cuts of meat or steak or something like that. Now, this was a clear package. And on the backside, there was actually a window so you could see the jerky through the window of this package, right? And so you could see for yourself, the USDA stopped it said it was misleading and misguiding because how do we know it's actually made from premium cuts of beef? Now, I'll tell you, having consulted for them, it's great jerky and they're not misleading at all. And yet the USDA is the most extreme offender because they're allowing foreign imported product to be labeled as product of the USA. And now they're putting a major financial hurt on a legitimate small American-owned company. So little plug for High Country Jerky for those guys because they're they're great people. We also talked about that last week. In the competition, there are people that will leverage their influence through lobbying to have, you know, legislators enact things that hurt uh, competition that doesn't have the means to defend itself. And most ranchers, farmers that are operating what on a industry scale would be small to us it may be huge they Mm -hmm. leverage their economy of scale and their influence to try to buck the competition and that's a very simple and clear example of of how that how they could do that so so what i'm taking away beyond me they their initial tactic was to say this is good for the environment and Mm -hmm. it's good for climate change and people weren't buying all of that so they made the pivot to what? To uh, specifically, they said we're pivoting to comfort wellness, comfort food as a mental health uh, benefit. So let me get this straight. Yeah. They're going to feed us food that makes us sick <laughs> and then tell us that's for our mental health? Yes, dude. In that cr- and, and they went further to say that because of their unique position as a company that they can because that they're an ingredients company that gives them the flexibility to include whatever's necessary to give the consumer that feeling. In other words, fill it full of sugar. That's what that means. So here, uh, we'll give you drugs yep. that make you feel good. Yeah. And that's for your benefit. Okay. Yeah. I have a I have a very short little clip here okay. that I think is actually very potent at okay. this point. Uh this was from a documentary, uh, and this is a, a clip that I use in serious fun quite often. But I think for the listener, this is a key concept to understand. Profitability and health actually are at odds. One more time for the people in <laughs> one the- more time. Profitability and health actually are at odds. <laughs> profitability and health are actually at odds. Yes. So when you have Beyond Meat, this making this pivot, making this pivot to comfort mental wellness food, I assure you it's not for your health. 
It's because no. their products are not making profit. Nobody's buying it. And they figured, oh, well, let's just change our marketing to see if we can nudge people into buying this all of a sudden. Because what do people want? They just want to feel comfort. They just, you know, mental health is such a big thing right now. So let's play off of this, uh, you know, this theme that happens to be popular in American culture right now, supporting your mental wellness. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, we're going to give you food that makes you sick, makes you unwell mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And we're going to tell you it's for your benefit. And I'm yep. sure it's totally safe and effective. Oh yeah. Cause of all the heavy research they've done to make sure it's not going to hurt somebody. Cause you know, comfort or what was that? What was the quote we just heard? Wellness and finances are at and odds, pro but profitability yeah. and health are yeah. actually at odds. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. Um, you know, with, with what's going on with all of that, we just, it, it's very clear and people kind of, not kind of, you need to become aware that a company's focus is solely on revenue. It, not, not every company, but these ones that we're talking about, it's on revenue. And what sells? Drugs sell. Addiction sells. And sugar is the most common addiction in our country. That's why we were talking about this last week, the obesity rate in our country. It's because they're selling a drug, which is sugar. You know, look what's going It's and Oh, man. I'm going to get riled up here, but that's all right. It, it is what's happening. And they know, like in my town here in St. George, these soda shops are popping up everywhere. I mean, what it is, if you guys don't have them where you're at, where you're from, where you're listening, it's like a drive-through coffee shop, but instead of coffee, it is mixed soda drinks. So what they do is they'll take Dr. Pepper that's already got 34 grams of sugar, and then they'll add heavy cream and vanilla cream. By the time you drive away, you're talking about a hundred grams of sugar or more. And when you drive past these places, literally cars are lined up around the building, every single one of them. And this town I'm in probably has five or six. Man, that uh, actually makes me really sad. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so crazy. So one of the themes that we wanted to cover today is yes. the impact that of consumer choices. And I think that we've really already started covering it with the Beyond Meat thing because clearly the consumer choices of not buying these products mm -hmm. are having an impact that's causing them to pivot. Yes. So I, I really think that it, we could provide some value here in reminding the listeners and having you expound on the impact of the decisions of the choices that the consumers or end users are making on the food industry. Yeah, and absolutely. While, while it is true that many of the uh, tactics that these companies are using are doing harm to people and causing them to be addicted, at the end of the day, we are all personally responsible for what we put into our mouths and what we put into our bodies. So what would you say to talk about the current state of food system and the impact that it's having on say the environment and their health? And what are the things that people can do to make better choices around their food? Man, that's such a good question. I think we're, this is going to be a common theme that, that comes up in probably many episodes because it's such a, it's such an important topic because we have been tricked into believing that food should be cheap. And then that gives us money to go, you know, discretionary income, if you want to call it that, to go buy other things mm. that, that might, 
give us that comfort, right? That comfort wellness, things such as, you know, listen, I get messages all the time from people. They say they can't afford the high quality meat. My challenge usually, and that's, you know, as a coach, right? When somebody comes to you and says, I just can't lose weight. And then you really dive into it. You find out they're making lifestyle choices somewhere that either was on their radar and they didn't want to acknowledge it because they didn't want to give up that, that addiction per you know, per se, or it wasn't on their radar because they just didn't even consider that. So the conversation about uh, the affordability of food is kind of where all this leads. And, mm. and with what you asked, it's like, we, we do vote with our food dollars. We can see that evidently with, um, with what's happening with the shares of beyond meat. They came out super hard and heavy with all these, all this backing from, from major financial backers. Uh, you know, it was all the rage about four or five years ago, fake meat was going to take over the world. And this was the best thing to do for the planet. Well, we, the consumers, we, the people said no. And that is the result. Now they are scrambling for alternative ways to sell a product. And really what they're doing is they're, they're pivoting to find, I'm going to be friendly and say the most ignorant of the population to buy that food. And the rest of us were like, no, we're not going there. And so now they're tanking. I think that they're ultimately going to fail. It's very interesting that they still have enough capital to burn that long, which leads me to believe that there's, you know, some really deep pockets behind the scenes that are just trying to keep it going for as long as possible while maybe other things are putting into place. I don't know, but um, Rep Higgins will probably talk, you know, we're going to share a clip about Rep Higgins that might lead into some of that. Um, so when people talk about the affordability of food and voting with their dollars, we used to spend 8% of our budget on healthcare and 30% on our food. The reason our healthcare budget was so low is because the quality of the fuel we were putting into our bodies wasn't causing chronic health to the level it is today. We didn't have drive-through soda shops on freaking every corner of our neighborhoods, right? We didn't have donuts being promoted as a reason to get a vaccine when it's very evident that positive metabolic health mitigated the need to even worry about it. Cause I mean, you, if you got sick, you were over it quickly, but Hey, go get the, the jab and we'll give you a free donut. We're going to shove a bunch of sugar down your throat. So we keep you more compliant, more complacent. This is a really long, not long, but a really in-depth conversation that needs to be retaught to the American population about one, our food dollars and, or or our, our dollars and how we can make an impact on what, what gets put in front of us. And two, the importance of where we spend our money for food. You know, you may need to stop buying cigarettes or alcohol or cannabis or, uh, you, you, I mean, you name it, maybe going out to eat, maybe you like to go out to eat and therefore you think you can't afford to put high quality food in your freezer. But if you go and do your budget, you might be like, oh shit, man, I'm eating out so much that I could actually buy a whole damn cow within two months, uh, worth of what I'm spending in fast food. Totally. Totally. So people, it's a lifestyle shift. So there's a couple of things that I want to address about what you said. Yeah. One, you said that the companies are, uh, you said to be nice, appealing to the ignorant part of the population. Yeah, uh, it's stupid people. Right. <laughs> what I want, I would like to inform our listeners about a word here that is that can Please. be swapped in and out. 
Okay. So if, if I were to say the word ignorant differently, you would actually have more context for what the word actually means. Because oftentimes okay. we say words so many times, we just, the, the, the real meaning of them is lost on us. Are you ready? Yes. Ignorant. <laughs> ignorant. Dude, great. So if I'm ignorant, what does yes. that imply? You're ignoring the facts. Yes. Now, if I'm ignoring something, I must know that it exists before mm. I can ignore it. Yep. So powerful. I believe that most of these people are a different word swap, which would be nascent. Nascent. Nascent, nascent means nay, no, scient, science, no science, no knowledge. Ah. So for most of uh, many consumers, they're actually nascent to what's happening in the world and what's happening because they've been, you know, programmed or taught that they are supposed to listen to, you know, mainstream media, the government, et cetera, et cetera. And, mm -hmm. and the USDA would never allow food that's harmful to us into the food ecosystem. So most people, I, I not only even to say most, I'll say there is at least a portion of the population that is nescient or nascent of, I believe it's nescient, nescient to the facts of the matter. However, yeah. once you are given the facts of the matter and you choose to ignore them, you yeah. move into the new category. And so, oh dear listener, if you didn't know that this was going on, <laughs> yes, now you know. And for you to continue to engage in buying these types of products, you now are participating, you're engaging in ignorance. I love and it. it is, it is the consumer that gave the money to these mega conglomerates that allowed them to be as big as they are. Now, now one yes. could argue, well, they put addictive stuff in our food and you know, all of these things, but it's like, yes. And if you know that you are experiencing addiction, you know, with all due respect, it is your responsibility to seek help. Whether that's in the form of a counselor, a coach, a psychiatrist, a, a physician, you are responsible for your health and well-being. You're responsible for your, your family's health and well-being, and that includes the financial side of your family. And you also will have to reckon with the fact that if you're buying certain products uh, and those companies are destroying the soil or destroying mm -hmm. the water of our yep. seas – you are contributing to that. You may not think it's a very big uh, contribution, but everybody's individual choices collect into the collective choices, and that's how you have Coca-Cola uh, as a like. People can recognize Coca-Cola in some of the most isolated places on Earth. Oh, you know dude. what I mean? And we, as a society, definitely that is the impact of yeah. the consumer choices. And what we, what you're doing, what you've invited me to help bring the message out is that you have options. Yes. You have options. So let's start with some basic options. You've named a few, which is choosing to remove things from your budget, like cigarettes, alcohol, mm -hmm. eating out on a regular basis, uh, uh, staying on the outer rim of a grocery store and mostly just eating food and not food products. If you don't know the difference between food and food products, I'll just go ahead and tell you food does not have ingredient labels, right? Food just is what it is. 
I don't need an ingredient label for a sweet potato. I just know that it's a sweet potato. That's what it is. So you could make those choices. But even when you get into buying food in the outer rim of a grocery store, even then you have lots of different choices. So you mentioned in the last episode, a grocery store, I believe it was called Harmon's. Harmon's, yeah. Harmon's is, is offering different choices. Let's kind of transition the impact of their choices into what, because we could just rail on their choices, but if we're not offering them any sort of alternative option, then we're also just, you know, we're not really contributing a lot of value. We're just railing against what we don't like. So what would be some of the, the easy entry level choices that some individual or family could make to then have a different impact on the world and on their family? Yeah. Well, I think right off it's looking at your ingredients, like you were saying for your, let's say, let's take dinner, right? In behavioral change science, when we teach somebody how to slowly transition from where they're at, if it's not working for them and by not working, I mean, it could be your health, it could be your mental state, it could be, um, I mean, you name it, right? It's something isn't working for you. In behavioral change science, we know that if we try to change everything at once, we're most likely going to fail, right? We have to change our, our, our habits one habit at a time over time until we build momentum. And so when we're talking about that, let's say we're talking about what you're eating. If your current habit is to eat out three meals a day or three meals a day, maybe they're not all, you're not eating all, uh, you're not eating out for all of those, but you've got you know, a microwave meal for the other ones, for example, just pick one meal a day and say, okay, from now on, I'm just, I'm going to at least make dinner at home or, I mean, just pick one breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And when I do what I make, I'm going to be able to look at the simplicity of what's going into that. So let's just take dinner. For example, I'm going to look at my plate and I'm going to see meat, vegetables, and that's it simple ingredients. Now you can put any vegetable you want. You can do no vegetable. I'm personally working on carnivore right now. And so I'll look at my plate and guess what I see? Steak and salt. Meat. <laughs> yeah. I see meat and I see salt. That is all I see on my plate. And then a big old glass of whole raw milk. Okay. That's my dinner. Well, that is a very simple meal that I can look at. And I know everything that's in there. I don't even have to look at a package to see what makes that whole thing up, for example. Start with the one thing. If it's breakfast, make it eggs and and you know, again, just whatever it is, you want to look at it and say that's a whole food. There's nothing mixed into that. So behavioral change science says, I'm gonna pick one thing and I'm gonna do better with that. Maybe it's for you, maybe where you're at is you're drinking a whole bunch of soda and you're gonna drink less soda. So I used to work for a company um with a gentleman by the name of Chris Powell. He had a TV show called Extreme Makeover Weight Loss Edition. So they brought me on to help develop their coaching program. And with that, I had about 40 clients that I was working with. They had anywhere from 20 pounds to lose all the way up to maybe 100 or more that they had to lose. Our primary conversation was not about diet and exercise. It was about behavioral change science, changing one thing at a time. So if I had a client that was drinking 10 you know, cans of soda a day, my request was, we're going to remove one of those. I mean, literally, that's how simplified it gets, depending on who I'm working with. So instead of drinking 10, drink nine. And then they start building momentum. And now all of a sudden, they're down to one a day. 
and then it's no soda and they're drinking water. Over time, they're repairing the damage done to their body. They're building solid behaviors that help them con- help contribute to, the, you know, the the the, uh, the positive changes that they're looking for. But if I would have said no more soda, I want you to exercise once a day. I want you to eat whole foods. I want you to get up and get you know get in the sun. If I threw all of those at them and w- at once, they would get overwhelmed, feel like a failure, and never go back to it. So when yeah. we're talking about the behaviors of a consumer, start with one thing. I, I often get the question, how do we find food that's affordable, meat specifically? Something I'm trying to teach is what, what uh, ranchers call a cull animal. In other words, it's an animal they're going to remove from the herd because it's not contributing anymore for whatever its in- first intended purpose was. So, for example, in the, in the dairy world, they stop producing milk. So that cow gets culled from the herd and gets sold off goes down the goes down the supply chain as food or if it's a mother cow that its job is to have babies well when it's done having babies it gets culled from the herd or if it's a bull that's no longer impregnating the herd they don't currently make viagra cialis for bulls so that's a problem and so it gets yet. Sold, sold yet <laughs> so it gets sold down the chain for meat the average consumer is not aware of that lingo or of that process and so mm. That means those animals sell for far less than what the market perceives to be of value, which is like a steer, a baby cow that's had its nuts cut off so it doesn't build all that testosterone. They'll sell that at auction. It's the highest, it's one of the uh, the, the animals that get purchased for the most because they can gain the most weight, be finished out, and be a high quality juicy steak at your restaurant. That's the expensive stuff. The cull cow, my freezer is a cull cow. It was from a rancher. That animal lived its entire life out on pasture. It's probably 10 years old, but they finish it to make it flavorful. And then I age it for 21 days at the butcher. And now my freezer is full of delicious, nutrient-dense meat that the rancher sold to me at a value because for him, it was done doing its thing. He still made a little bit of extra money at the back end of it. And I got a freezer full of beef that's going to feed my family very well. So uh, that step specifically is find your local farmer and rancher and ask them and let them know you'd like to buy their next coal cow. And typically that whole thing gets ground up. The steaks don't taste very great, but who cares, man? If you're like, if you're hungry or you're worried, especially with the inflation and, uh, you know, the, 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 the issues we're dealing with, buy the coal cow, put quality meat in your fridge, season it up real well with taco seasoning, and you're good. You've got a healthy meal right there on your plate. Have I lost you, brother? How would, well, I know that you and Brooke are working on a solution to make finding those local farms a lot easier and farmers and ranchers a lot easier. And as you're doing that, what could someone do to make that process easier? Because I imagine one of the challenges is that people don't know where to start. And I know that you've begun cultivating a community and cultivating solutions to that problem. And until the, is it going to be called from the farm? Uh, the app? Yeah. The app is from the farm. That's right. Yeah. From the farm. But in the meantime, in Mm -hmm. the meantime, they have some things that they could do to connect with their local farm rancher. What would be one step that someone could take tomorrow? I would recommend that you, there's two things actually. I, I, I talked about this recently. I don't remember where. So I think it was a podcast I actually did recently. 
couple things I would recommend. One, look for your local farmer's market. If you find your local, every town, every city has one somewhere. The mm. difference is make sure that that not you'll show up and it's, it's possible that when you get there, it's far more of a craft fair than it is a farmer's market, right? There's sometimes you go to these and there's a lot more projects you can buy than there is meat, which is, mm. which is unfortunate, but that is changing, but there's going to be more than one around you. So just shop around these farmer's markets until you find one that's great in those farmer's markets. Typically the person standing there with the produce or the meat or whatever is the person that, that raised it. Now, the other thing you want to do while you're at the farmer's market is to really get to know the person selling it. Because I was talking to a guy the other day and he said he stopped by a fruit stand and was looking through it and turned one of the oranges over and it had a Costco sticker on it. So there's oh. this, dude, there's this black market. Oh no, Costco. <laughs> There's oh. this whole, dude, there's this black market industry where people are going to like these wholesale food, food sellers like Costco. They're buying a crap ton of it. They're taking the stickers off and then they're going to the farmer's markets and selling it as a fresh grown product. And it's not. It's, God, that is so scary. Dude, God, it's so the, funny. It's so well, funny. This is a, a tangent story, but I actually, uh, I went to a former CrossFit Games athlete and good friend of mine. Her name is Emily Abbott. Okay. Yeah, I know. I had the pleasure of attending her wedding to her husband. My wife and I uh, went out to a little place outside of Calgary, Alberta. We went into the foothills mm -hmm. of Alberta and we got to witness her uh, wedding. And um, shit, what were we just talking about? Oh, uh, we, yeah. <laughs> no, what was it? Oh, I just lost my train of thought. People buying food from wholesale and then putting up fake fruit stands and like you don't know that it actually came from Costco. <laughs> I don't and know if that you triggered you. And, and then you said something right after that. Oh, man. Hold on. Dang it. it. <laughs> 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 I lost my train of thought. This is where we need the. <laughs> Yeah, our, yeah, our fearless oh leaders. Mumbles. If it comes back to me, I'll say it again. Perfect. Oh, you know, you know. So, so yeah. When you're in those farmers markets, just get. This is why our slogan for feed the uh, from the farm is, shake the hand that feeds you. Get mm -hmm. to if you build a relationship, just like any other important service in your life. Uh, when you go to a dentist, you probably are going to do a little bit of looking around and like. You don't you don't really go get quotes from a dentist, right? But if you have a bad experience, you go to somewhere else until you find that person that you really feel has your best interest in mind. That's the same thing with when you shake the hand that feeds you. You start building a relationship and you start connecting with the people that are growing your food. You'll be able to ask the questions that matter to you and really become uh, get to a point where you can trust that supply. So farmer's market is one. The other one is if you do a Google search, uh, and you look for people, you put in your specific town, your zip code, all of those things, and do a Google search for local farmers and ranchers. The first place that I recommend people go to is the about section. If you go to the about section, you can get to know that family and how they ride it. And, and typically, I would say it's pretty clear when you're reading through the about section, if they're a legitimate family or not. And then when you make the phone call, if it's the farmer or rancher that answers the phone, you found the right person, right? If it's a sales rep that you call, uh, it's, it, you have to do a lot more research. And, and 
I want to be careful with that because you can also find uh, people like from the farm, for example. We are not the farmer and rancher, but we are doing a relationship with farmers and ranchers. And there's a lot of ranchers out there. They have no time to build a brand of their own to sell direct. Okay. So what they'll do is they'll find a, a white label service, for example, Good Rancher is a is a good example. Good Rancher sells American raised beef only. Their supply chain is going to be made up of farmers and ranchers who either have more beef than they can sell on their own direct or they're too big of an operation that they don't have the time to go develop the sales team and the marketing team and the website and all those kinds of things. And so it's better for them to just make their beef available and let somebody else handle all of that stuff. Uh, Utah beef producers, the meat plant we're building in Richfield, Utah, that's what we'll do. We will be an outlet for producers so they can avoid going to the typical route, which which is where they get screwed by the big four manipulating the market. It gives them an outlet so that they can make more money on the dollar than than just selling at auction. So that's the that's the uh, those are the two areas that I would say would help you find and source local right now to begin with until we get our software up. Well, that is one way that we can support local farms, farmers markets, make more conscious choices around uh, the things that we're consuming. Um, But we have some new information. I've got information, man. New (laughs) shit has come to light. So another way that we can support our farmers and our ranchers is to understand the types of pressures that they are receiving. And so one of the clips that we wanted to share today is from Representative Clay Higgins. And Clay Higgins is a representative out of the state of Louisiana. And Mm -hmm. he was testifying and making a statement about some things that have been happening to some of the farmers and ranchers in his state of Louisiana. And so I'm going to pull up this clip from Rep. Clay Higgins to discuss some of the other challenges that our farmers and ranchers are facing. Against the American people, I yield. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, the EPA does not need armed agents loaded with attitude rolling up on American citizens trying to mind their own business, and this is happening. It's stunning, but it's happening. You have have armed EPA agents rolling up on our farmers with, with, with no warrant. You got two agents emerged from an unmarked car to check the fuel in the saddlebag tanks that had diesel trucks, but they had little strips, and proceed to issue $10,000 fines. Can you imagine, Mr. Speaker, your city's code enforcement being pushed by armed agents with attitudes? This is happening out of our EPA. It's happening in other alphabet agencies. It's wrong, and we're going to put a stop to it one way or another. I support my my friend's amendment, and I urge all colleagues to step up and push back against the weaponization of our federal government against the American people. So the EPA, a.k.a. the Environmental Protection Agency, has been apparently, allegedly, according to Representative Higgins, rolling up on farmers and ranchers with weapons, armed, unmarked cars, 
pressuring them, as he said, with attitude and <laughs> issuing $10,000 fines. Now, you tell me, you have way more information on this. How is a $10,000 fine going to impact a local rancher? Oh, man, it'll... It, it, there's, there's not $10,000. I mean, that's, that's the point, right? So like the reality is, is our current federal government has been weaponized against the American people. And if you want to control the American people, and here, here's my tinfoil hat. I think somehow or some way it's possible that the UN is part of this. They've wanted us to join their organization for decades, but we, they can't get us there until we, they control us, which means removing our second amendment and, weakening the resolve of the American people. That's that's what I believe. You don't have to believe it. This is just my own theory, okay? One way you do that is by controlling the food. There is a slogan that exists for a reason. If you control the food, you control the people. The Glodomor in Soviet Union, I've spoke about this on my Instagram live. In 1932 to 1933, millions of people in Ukraine died of starvation during Stalin's reign. Somebody that's from that area, that's na their native tongue is Russian, their grandparents lived during that time, said that in 1917, 80% of their population over there were farmers and ranchers. By the time 1932 came around, they had controlled and removed so many of their food producers that they now had control. And in doing so, that millions of people starved to death. So, what we're seeing happen through multiple attacks, multiple agencies, they're using, uh, when I say they, we're talking about the World Economic Forum, we're talking about the UN, we're talking about the World Health Organization, all of these organizations that want total control in the one world order, the new world order. Non-governmental, non-elected yes. entities. Yes. yes. They are working in conspiracy to to control the American population because our nation is the one last front to stand against all of this in the globe. We are, we're the last. If, I mean, imagine like, don't, I'll just tell you, I've had thoughts like, okay, it seems like the majority of Americans don't care. So maybe it's best for me and my family to leave. Now I'm a, I'm a patriot. I believe in our country. So that's a fleeting thought. But part of that is as I'm daydreaming, what would it look like? Where would I go? There, Brooks, there's nowhere. There's nowhere in the world to go. If we wanted to go start over with a country of patriots, there isn't one. This is it. And so these organizations are working to undermine us, to weaken us. And it seems like they're winning. Look at, I mean, listen, it, patriots, if you're listening to this, it's time to get fit. It's time to take control back of your health. Your mental health is attached to your physical health and to be ready. We are we are staring down the barrel of World War III. We watch it every day, what's escalating in the Middle East. We're taking on millions of people that are coming across the border illegally. It's now been acknowledged by the same federal government, by the way. So this is this is kind of what, what wakes me up. The same people who I believe are kind of out to weaken us are also now saying that it is very likely that there are sleeper cells of terrorists in our country right now. It is time for people to wake up, to take back their health, their mental health. You know, I meet a lot of people that believe a lot of the same things I do. If you can't go for a one mile run and you also believe that you're going to need your second amendment rights, if you can't run outside right now and go for a mile run, it, it's time to get there. You should be able to walk outside and go for a run. 
And if you can't, there are some other parts of your life that you might need to start looking at to be prepared because preparedness isn't just having food supply. Preparedness isn't just having ammunition and self-defense weapons. Preparedness is also, do you have the physical capacity to even defend yourself if you had to or your family? So I kind of went off a tangent in a rabbit hole, but this stuff about weaponizing our federal government against its population is, is, is infuriating. There is, so a lot of these things don't have, I mean, this doesn't happen overnight. No. So there is, you mentioned, uh, the Galatamore, I believe it's what it's called. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's a, I want people to keep that in mind. Uh, and there is a word or a phrase to describe what's going on. The totalitarian tiptoe. <laughs> it is the totalitarian tiptoe. Totalitarianism doesn't happen overnight. Here's how it happens. It's a they they push they they let's just call it like the they push the wall. They push the wall that that is closing you in. I promise you, they're not pushing the wall out. They keep pushing the wall in until you feel the squeeze so much so that you erupt. And then they back off just a little bit and they wait. And then once the, the hectic reaction has died down, they begin the tiptoe again. And yes. they, keep, they keep pushing, pushing, pushing. And by the time that you realized where, and then you hit that wall again, we erupt. And then they back off just a little bit. And little by little, year by year, sometimes decade by decade, by the time you look up and see how far you've come, a lot of this is too far gone. Um, in a, I'm going to share just a quick anecdotal story because I had such an aha moment last night because a lot of people may say that what you're saying, what I've said many times is like radical, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's radical, this idea that you would need to take arms against your government. Now, uh, if you study American history, you know that that is the reason that the word sovereign became such a embedded part of the American culture is that most of those people who came here uh, and they were settlers, they were reigned under a king. Mm-hmm. So sovereign means to be above reign. Uh, there's no there's no V in classical Latin. It's actually P. So suver is actually super, super, super. You're okay. above, you're above and beyond. So if you're super or sovereign, sovereign, you are above reign. Mm. And so you, this, the early American settlers, especially the ones that wrote the constitution were by most worldly standards, this idea that you were as an individual above reign was super radical. Okay. Hmm. But they, they, established these ideas and ideals based off of something called natural law. And natural law is a whole heap of things that you can dive into on your own, uh, dear listener. But I actually was reading a book last night about midwifery. My wife is pregnant. We're going to have our first child and we're intending to do a home birth. We have a midwife. We also have a physician and a medical team. Awesome. Uh, I was reading this book and I could, I didn't even get it out of the intro and because this woman, you, the, the author of the book, she wrote in the book, she quoted the ninth amendment 
Now, oftentimes people refer to the amendments that they know very well. And yes. we talk about the second amendment. Are you familiar with the ninth amendment? No, I'm not. I'm going to read the ninth amendment. Okay. The enumeration in the constitution enumeration means the listing out. Okay. So okay. the listing out in the constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. Mm. And when I realized what this meant, it said, just because we list out this certain things of rights, that doesn't mean to let you feel that there are other rights that don't exist outside of this list. <laughs> right. Okay. Because isn't that what it means to be sovereign? Like you choose? To be above reign. Right. So there are other rights that are natural in, and inherent in our life that just because they weren't written in the constitution, because they weren't listed out in the constitution, that doesn't mean that they don't exist. Yeah. Okay. And our right to clean quality food, <laughs> it, this is not something that uh, is, is, is like this thought in my mind. It's inherent. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's inherent in our existence that we have the right to clean natural food and we have the right to fight back against institutions and individuals that may seek to take those rights away from us. And this, even in 2023, is seen as a radical idea. Yeah. But it's, it's not new. <laughs> it's by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. And in fact, it was written in 1776 in the Bill of Rights. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. The enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. And that to me, it just like melted my brain because mm -hmm. it was like, right, they're referring to natural law. That natural yeah. law is that you are born free. Yeah. You, you are born free. You are born above rain. And so many Americans specifically, but especially just individuals around the world, if they don't have a working base of knowledge for what freedom actually is, then they don't, they can't understand what rights they have inherent to them. And Man. so, uh, what this podcast, what this show to me is helping people do is reclaim I think it's a, you could call it a reclamation. I think we're experiencing a, an American renaissance that is actually bringing back the initial spirit of the American culture. Agreed. And, and this show specifically is getting that message back out there. And if there was one good place to start that could heal so many other things, it is food. That's right. hundred percent. Brooks, this is fantastic, brother. I appreciate you bringing your knowledge of language and helping break that down for me and for the listeners. It's, uh, you know, we become more knowledgeable and we can make more informed decisions when we understand language and the power of language. Um, and this is, this has been a great episode. Well, there will be many more to come. Absolutely. We're just getting started. And because I have a nice little runway here, if you don't mind, I'm going to I'm going to educate our listeners about what's going to come. Do it. Let's do it. When we get to episode 5, you, dear listener, are going to have a wonderful opportunity to vote with your dollars. 
This podcast is a value for value podcast. We provide value in the form of entertainment and education. And if you feel so inclined, if you are getting value from this show, you will be able to return that value to us in one of three ways. That is your time, your talent, and your treasure. Preferably your treasure, but you can share your time by listening to this episode, by sharing it with a friend. Hell, we'd love this if you could introduce us to a hundred of your best friends. You could write a nice, kind comment. Leave us a five-star rating so we can get found and we can get this message out to more people. If you liked some of the clips that we've played today, you can actually donate your talent by sending us clips or by clipping it yourself and sending it to us. Maybe you like the music that we play at the beginning and the end and you thought, hey, I could write my own skunk holler. I'd love to send a piece of music over to Brooks and, and AJ and Brooke. And you can do that by sending it to Brooks at SeriousFun.io. And by episode five, you will have the opportunity to leave a monetary donation and up to a certain level, if you leave a certain level of donation, which we will debut in the next episode, we will actually receive a note from you and we will read it live on the show. And if you donate up to a certain level, we'll even let you leave a voice note <laughs> and we will play it on the show. And you can become a producer of the Feed the People podcast, because if ever there was a time to vote with your dollars, put action behind what you believe in, now is the time. The future of media is not through sponsors. It is not through major corporations trying to curb our speech. It is from you deciding this is providing value in my life. And I want to return that value because I believe in AJ. I believe in Brooke and I believe in from the farm and feed the people. And I'm going to do what I can to support these people and to support what they're doing. And you, dear listener, will have that opportunity starting in episode five. You will hear more about it in episodes three and four. And we greatly appreciate and want to say thank you in advance for all of the value that you will provide back to us. And I promise you, we will put it right back out there for you. AJ, any final words before we kick off the airwaves here? Just uh, God bless everybody. Thank you for being here and shake the hand that feeds you. And with that, we will see you next week for episode three. Take care.